0: This is a presentation of Paterson Media. Amplify Canada is an initiative created by Paterson Media, designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our economy, Thousands of small businesses, groups, family organizations and individuals are showcased on Patterson Media radio stations from Winnipeg to Vancouver throughout the year. Every month, we go deeper and share the incredible journey of a few that have made an impact on their community. Some have flourished, others may need a little extra love and support. These are their stories, welcome to Amplify Canada. episode, we highlight local musicians. This time, it's Kaylee Cardinal, a Juno award-winning musician who I'll introduce you to at the end of the podcast. On this show...
1: First and foremost, absolutely, it's passion. I think that most successful entrepreneurs do it from a place of passion. You feel it, you smell it, you hear it, you taste
0: it. That's Jennifer Smith president of Everything Podcasts. And she is a woman who rocks, launching six successful businesses throughout her career. Her perspective on women and business throughout the podcast. A cleaning company was
2: never something that either of us dreamt about, but definitely become more than what people think about when you think about a cleaning company. That's Mary Rapier. She partnered
0: with another area mom, Darcy Portness, and created Oceano Cleaning Services, A flourishing business in the
3: Vancouver area. There wasn't a lot of women at the time. 15 to 20 years ago when I started, I experienced such a wake-up call where I noticed that there was such an opportunity that we could progress this industry. That's Jennifer Jackson, president of Universal
0: Geomatics Solutions Corp., a 35-year-old geomatics land-serving company that services the energy industry. To have each of us having the ability to be able to go
4: out and create whatever it is we want is incredible. And it doesn't
0: happen everywhere, and I don't take that for granted at all. Tamara Stanners went from a television and radio career to running a music festival. We'll hear her journey and perseverance
2: to get there. I know what I'm doing. Yes, so do I. Screwed up your life. No, I'm trying to make it better. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life working my ass off and getting nowhere just because I followed rules that I had nothing to do with setting up, okay?
0: Hi there, I'm Linda Freeman, your host for Amplify Canada. Women play an important role in the economy. In 2019, according to Catalyst, the share of the female population aged 15 and older that participated in Canada's workforce was at 64.7%. However, women-led businesses account for only 15.6% of small and medium enterprises in Canada. And then COVID hit, forcing 62% of female-led businesses to lay off more than 80% of their staff due to the pandemic versus 45% of businesses overall. The industries most affected during the pandemic are women-dominated. The
2: data suggests to date, Canadian women-owned businesses have taken 10 weeks to rebound
0: compared with five weeks for male-owned businesses. But despite what we hear in the news, and despite some of the statistics, women are amazing, creative, driven, smart, persistent, passionate people, and they make incredible business leaders. This country is built on small businesses. Let's listen to the stories of the women who rock Canadian small business. It's 5.45 a.m. You jump out of bed at the sound of your alarm. By 6.15, you're showered and dressed. 6.45, you have a cup of java and start a dinner prep. By 7.15, kids are up and you're getting them breakfast. Lunch is already prepared and you have them out the door and on their buses by 7.45 a.m. You take a deep breath, grab your bag, and head to the office. This is a fairly typical day for a lot of working women. Now, the pandemic kind of took the driving to work out for many, but then throw in the challenge of kids learning from home, and you had a situation that forced a lot of women into a tailspin. Yes, there are many men who take this on, and many households where these responsibilities are split. But generally speaking, and according to statistics, a 2019 Gallup poll showed it's still 75% of women taking on the extra family duties on top of working full-time, which is why women rock. In the hustle and bustle of the beautiful city of Vancouver, this may be the way some days start for Jennifer Smith, the CEO and president of Everything Podcasts. Jennifer's extensive media, broadcast, and digital marketing experience include executive positions at Roundhouse Radio, CBC, Bell Media, and Headline Media Group. She's launched six successful startups and has extensive venture capital and IPO experience. Jennifer is also the recipient of the Canadian Women Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Very impressive. That was from the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. I met Jen 25 years ago as we both helped launch Vancouver Television. Jen, I wanted to talk to you first about the perspective of that journey, being a woman in business, and what you've had to deal with over the years.
1: You know, this is an interesting question, Linda, because being a woman in business, certainly coming from the broadcast media side, was not without its challenges, only for the simple reason that we were fairly new to the business, 30 years ago, as far as taking leadership roles in the business.
2: When uh, breaking in any new worker, and uh, of course, especially a woman, you've got to explain every angle of the process down to the last detail.
1: So it was a bit challenging to have a seat at the table, and you know, it was something that interests me quite a bit because I love the broadcast business and the media business, and it was something I was always attracted to. As a child, I bought a clock radio at Kmart and heard the Casey Kasem show, and I was hooked. And I thought, wow, what is this magic that's coming out of a speaker? And how do I get to be a part of that?
0: I joked off the top with a bit of the play-by-play I was doing of life as a working mom. Now, Jen, we often hear the discussion that women can have it all.
1: I think if we're being honest as a collective, saying that we can have it all, 100% you can't. But can we have it all in an equity of balance? Just Well, Linda, it's just not true. Because, you know, you can't have this perfect balance of being a mom of three children and being a CEO of a startup or a global company and say, yes, I'm ticking all the boxes and I've got self-care locked in. I've got the kids handled and I've done their homework. Yes, I've walked the dog, made a hot dinner and didn't rely on takeout. I think we have to be honest with each other as a collective and say, There's no such thing as a true balance, but there is a true balance of knowing that you can have it all. So we have to be comfortable with the fact that true leadership is recognizing you can't be perfect 100% of the time, and that there's some place in there for humility and some place in there for humanity. And sometimes we have to really check ourselves, I think, Linda, and say, we're human beings, not human doings, and be okay with that. And true confessions, there's some days I'm not okay with that because I want to strive for perfection. But as I'm learning in my own life journey, I recognize that there's no such thing as perfection, but there's nothing wrong, I think, for striving for it, right?
0: And I think it's so true. And it's important for women to speak that truth to Jen, like we need to hear that. We'll talk to Jennifer more about being a woman entrepreneur, how to be successful but we now turn our sights on two moms who came together in an unexpected way. This story takes us to tree-lined seaside neighborhood of Tawasin, located on a peninsula in the southwestern corner of the city of Delta in British Columbia. It is also the location of the Tawasin Ferry Terminal, part of the BC Ferry System. We're here because I want you to meet the two women behind Oceano Cleaning Services, Dicey Portness and Mary Rapier. Hi guys. Let's start with you Darcy. And the fact that you are an Olympic medalist?
5: I grew up in Richmond BC and then went off to university and learned how to row. So I was on the Canadian Olympic rowing team for a number of years with a top performance in London 2012. Silver medal in the women's 8s, Canada. More medals Canada, at stake for Canada. That's the lineup for the women's
6: eight. race is now on.
5: From there, I went on to career exploration, as many athletes struggle with that transition, and it certainly is a challenge at times. Dabbled in banking and teaching exercise classes, spin classes. Somewhere in there, I had kids, so I've got now a seven-year-old and five-year-old twins. My story meets up with Mary when my twins were babies still. We moved into the same neighborhood. So Mary and I are neighbors, Um, but I'll let her jump in with her end.
2: I started in South Korea. adopted from there when I was seven months old and into Italian Canadian family in White Rock, BC. And then we moved up north to Haida Gwaii and then moved to Vancouver in 2010. I always wanted to live in Vancouver or near, at least, be by the ocean, it's just a beautiful place. I'm always drawn to the ocean. Before our business, I was a flight attendant for WestJet. Enjoyed doing that for 15 years now. It's been a really fun job and got a lot of different experiences, but it's kind of a hard job to have when you have three little kids at home. I now have twin five-year-olds and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old.
0: I can only imagine. You're both moms of twins, Neighbors, friends, and now business partners. How did that all happen?
5: I think Mary and I were like-minded in a lot of ways, wanting something more out of life, making a difference. So we were away on a girls' trip, just Mary and I together. And I was sort of asking her, what am I going to do with my life? And how can we make it work so that we can work around our kids and be there when they get home from school and just being present in the family life as well as building something and so she said kind of off the cuff like why don't you start a cleaning company in Twoson? Mm.
2: (sighs) One of the reasons we were on a girls trip and one of the reasons why we were walking every Sunday too is Darcy became a rock for me. My dad had passed away in the very beginning of the pandemic so I think that amongst her friendship, we also created a bond. Starzy also became an outlet, a positive outlet, and Oceano could become an extension of that, as creating something beautiful out of a really, really, really difficult time.
0: And you decide on a cleaning company. Why the name Oceano?
5: The name Oceano is a bit of a tribute to Mary's dad, who was Italian descent. Oceano means ocean in Italian. And given we live right by the ocean here in South Delta, our love of the water and being close to it, and just that sense of calm that we hope to instill in our clients, all of those things tied together was how we came up with the name. And we wanted it to be flexible, to grow with us as we grew, and also wanted that personal connection to Mary's family and our
0: local environment. And why a cleaning company?
5: I grew up with a Cleaner. There were five of us kids, so my mom hired a cleaner for every two weeks. So I'd grown up with help, I guess, and realized now the impact that that had. There was our own personal perceptions of what a cleaning company was going to be like, and being owners of a company, that was really exciting. And so we wanted to create the company part first and building what we're realizing is quite a diverse workforce. Our cleaning staff are 80% male right now. It's just worked out that way. It is unique, and we've gotten comments from clients about how, wow, you know, you're hiring these young men, and isn't that great for their future lives? And the current workforce that is in this kind of service industry, entry level jobs, they don't have the same stigma that I grew up with. They want to work where they're appreciated as a person.
0: The number one thing I'm hearing right now is appreciation. It was always the employers were looking for people who had initiative, and employees were looking for somewhere to grow. Now it's changed. What the employees are looking for is they are looking for appreciation in whatever it is that they bring to the table.
5: That's certainly something we strive to do. We want them to work hard for us, so we pay them well and we value them as people and them having input into how the company grows is something that I'm really proud of, and I know Mary is as well, that they're helping shape this young business and they've given us feedback that that's valuable as well to be part of something that they're helping to build.
2: Just another thing on the employees, when we're writing out our goals and our why and what do we want it to look like, we really wanted to create a company culture where people are proud to be part of it and that they feel their lives are being enriched. Not just you're going to work, you go home, you get a paycheck. Everyone knows now that is just not satisfying. So we want to support our employees in all areas of their life, but also to deliver this amazing service that we have so far been able to do, to give to our community here. You
0: two are on to something with all of this the focus on appreciation and value. I think that's why so many women small business owners are successful. Our emotional intelligence plays into how we treat employees and clients, which is such an important part of your business. I also understand you guys give back to the community.
2: Yeah, the community hug of the month. (laughs) That's when nobody got a hug for however long that was.
5: I remember the day we came up with that name, and it was definitely a joint effort. And the community hug is our way of giving back to the community and wrapping our arms around a family in need. And I think the neatest part about the Community Hug Initiative is that it's somebody else who's doing the nominating and then the nominees get put in a draw and sometimes we have to do more than one nominee (laughs) if the story speaks to us.
2: The hug is what lights us up for sure. We're feeling like the regular things are getting us down and then the hug comes around and we're like, yes, this is why we're here. This makes it worth it.
0: Mary and Darcy, thank you. Two strong, creative, smart women who rock. I think you are clearing a path for a new generation of clean. Thank you both. Listening to Mary and Darcy talk about how they want to shape their company got me thinking. Are women-led businesses doing a better job in areas around employee engagement? So I found an article in Forbes magazine that cites Pekin, a real-time HR insights platform who did a recent study on women-led companies and found that employees at women-led companies are more positive relating to their organization's strategy and mission, and its ability to communicate on these topics. And overall, they're better at meeting job satisfaction needs than those led by men. So let's go back to Vancouver and revisit our conversation with Jennifer Smith, CEO of Everything Podcasts, and talk a little more about women in business. Jen, do you think things are different for women today?
1: You know, I think the women in business today is different than it was 20 years ago, only because the recent conversations that the world are having are about diversity. So I think that the representation of this conversation, you know, all of the brave women that have come before me and all of the brave women that will come after me are having a seat at the table because they are making a decision, Linda, to be brave. And they are making a decision to step outside of a circle or many circles or a circle that doesn't exist, but really taking places of bravery. You know, you look at someone like Michelle Obama, She had to be brave to do what she did. And now all of a sudden, we've got the very first black vice president in the US history. And there's no question that she paved the road for that to happen. And I think that also the future for us is about bravery. It's about fresh ideas. It's about the new approach. It's about facilitation based on the collaboration and information sharing being able to take those tools and for us to share information and to collaborate so that we can make those numbers climb exponentially for our daughters, for the women of tomorrow, for these children that are going to be our future leaders.
0: So things have changed dramatically and significantly and here you are running this incredible everything podcast. Let's talk a little bit about that and why this is the route that you've taken and the successes that you've seen.
1: So everything podcast was started because in watching and observing the consolidation of broadcast on the television side and on the radio side, it actually made me really sad. And I thought, I don't want this to be like this. I don't want this to be templated broadcast, templated radio, templated television. We're losing the fabric of what makes this so incredible as far as being broadcasters and listening to stories and I felt a sadness, Linda, and I thought, you know, I need to be a part of that solution. So I went back and I got my executive MBA at McGill. And what I wanted to learn is about the digital progression of business going forward. So it was through those studies, I thought, you know what? I want to be part of that solution. So everything podcast was born of the understanding that we can go back to the root of what makes broadcast so incredible. And what that is, is again, Some of the best stories are told from long form, passion, commitment, connection to the audience.
0: And wouldn't you say that it's that ability, that storytelling that elevates any business and can really help small businesses stay competitive? There's no question.
1: One of the reasons, and we're gonna see a shift, and you heard the prediction here first, we're gonna see a shift in business where local communities are gonna walk away from Amazon because of their experiences in COVID. They didn't get service. Sure, they had things shipped to their door. But when I'm walking up to my corner street on Main Street, and I'm saying to the woman, my daughter, she's very self-conscious about the clothes that she wears, and this woman whisks her into the store and literally acts as a personal shopper for her and dresses her and makes her feel special. And this is a local business run by a mother and a daughter. We're going to go back to doing business this way because people in business want connection. People in small business offer that and big business doesn't. And we're going to see it exponentially as we open up from the pandemic because people want connection. And it's the same thing as storytelling. Every incredible small business has stories. And it's through that connection that small business offers that, that our economy grows, that our economy survives and small business is an intricate part of our economy.
0: We'll pause there, and head back to exactly what you're talking about, the power of business and the women who rock it. Heading from the beautiful coast of British Columbia to one province over, Alberta where we find Universal Geomatics Solutions Corp. There are three locations in the province, Calgary, Edmonton and Grand Prairie. So not a small business now, but they have been providing land surveying, construction support, GIS mapping and project management to a variety of industries since 1986 and a majority female owned business. Meet Jennifer
3: Jackson, the president of Universal Geomatics Solutions Corp. We've been a service industry since in the 90s, and we've evolved quite a bit. One of the greatest milestones that we've seen most recently was we actually became women-owned last year, which is very unique in this industry. At a company of our size that services the energy industry particularly, it's extremely uncommon. And so it was a great milestone, and we're very happy about that.
0: And it's a real male-dominated industry how did you establish yourself? Tell me a little bit about the process that you went through.
3: That's interesting that you bring that up. And when we talked about That the company was 35 years old. I can say that there has been such a progression that we've seen over the past years. I've been with the company 11 years. I started in the industry in land surveying. So you're out in the field. You're running a chainsaw, pounding in pins. You're on ATVs all day. It's a pretty remote type of work. There wasn't a lot of women at the time. 15 to 20 years ago, when I started, I experienced such a wake-up call where I noticed that there was such an opportunity that we could progress this industry to inspire different types of people. I feel like the same demographics over and over again that was always around me in the field. What if we were to open that up and vary that a little bit? So yeah, there was a lot of challenges earlier on in my career. There continues to be a lot of challenge, but I don't think that that's unique to our business. I think every business is going through that with the pandemic and everything like that. I think that there's a lot of opportunity and I think there's something to be said about resiliency. You know, really, really work hard and helping everybody around you succeed. It's really rewarding and not easy work, just like being a mom, right? It's not easy work, but you do it and it's it's so rewarding.
0: Now, how did you manage all of this when the pandemic hit from running a business
3: and as a mom? I have a story. Like, I remember when the pandemic first started, we were working from home, and I had just come back from maternity leave. My son was about 15 months old. So the kids were at home. I've got two young children. When we had just locked down, I was wondering, like, are we an essential service? Like, are we having to shut down and lay off every single member of the company? And I'm just kind of in tears, like, what are we going to do? I just remember thinking, oh, my goodness, and then putting him into the high chair, (laughs) feeding him Smarties and saying, like, I need 10 minutes to discuss this, to have this big board meeting, you know. It was a roller coaster at first. And I think in some respects, we were able to kind of bring the company together virtually even. I mean, we did an engagement survey early in the pandemic and there was a rating of 4.1 out of 5 for how connected do you feel to the rest of the members of the company. That was in the beginning of the pandemic. And then midway through, we did that survey once again, and the numbers had increased to 4.7 out of 5 for engagement. So then do you see an optimistic future? We try to encourage each other at our company. When you focus on resiliency, you concentrate on what you can control. Some of those factors are resiliency. And I know that word is just such a buzzword, like how many times do you have to tell me to be resilient? But it really is, and I know it might sound cliche, but it really is something we focus on what we can control. We focus on being there for each other. We do our business with high integrity. If you could come out of that and be able to sleep at night. I am optimistic though. I think that there is a lot of opportunity coming, going through what we did, really has built us a lot of us that pressure all of that continues like i think we've grown so much i see that every day i see that with the people around us i see a lot more compassion with one another and i think that's really gonna reflect in our future that's my opinion i'm often told that i have rose-colored glasses but why not carry these rose-colored glasses it feels good
0: <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing if we all wore rose-colored glasses you are truly inspiring, Jennifer. Thank you. <laughs> in my days of media in Vancouver, I had the pleasure of connecting with a dynamo woman by the name of Tamara Stanners. So back to British Columbia we go and up the Sea-to-Sky Highway to Squamish, a town where they say great things happen. It's at the northern tip of the island dotted Howe Sound and surrounded by beautiful mountains. One I hiked many a time called the Chief, a huge granite monolith. It is now also home well, Squamish is not just the chief, to a music festival led by an amazing group of women, Tamara Stanners, at the lead.
4: I think we met when I was doing the JRFM morning show at that time, and Clay St. Thomas, my co-host, just finished doing it for 25 years. He resigned, my ex-co-host. I couldn't do it for three years. He lasted 25. You've done a lot through your career, and it all began with the love of music. I am a music lover and was born that way. Like, I just love music, it moves my heart, it moves my soul, and it always had. And it was such a huge part of my family growing up. My mom listened to radio nonstop. And so I did too, because obviously I was her little sidekick. And I fell in love with radio because of that. I loved everything about it. I loved the people who spoke, and I loved the commercials. I really did think that the people singing the songs and the people speaking at any time were in the little box in the radio, wherever that box was, in the car, on the counter in the living room. I thought they were there. So I would just like get real close so I could be close to them. So I think it was about five when I decided, you know, I asked my dad, like, who are they and how do they get in there? Like, I want to get in there too. And he explained to me how it actually was working. And I said, I'm going to do that. I was going to be a DJ. So from five, that's when I knew How did you land your first job? I wound my way into Kissin' FM 104 as a sticker spotter in Edmonton. I was terrible on the air, but I just wanted it so badly, you know, so they made me the receptionist. (laughs) 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 guess I was really bad. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And then I just practiced at night and I drove the program director crazy, like I'll fill in any time. I'll do anything. Am I good enough? Sending in my demo tapes that I was making at night in the studios and finally I wore him down after about a year and he let me do the all-night show one time only and then I ended up getting the all-night show which I did for a couple of years and it was incredible and then I became music director and moved my way up there and my name was Dusty Rhodes though. I was Dusty Rhodes in Edmonton.
0: I know over the years in radio many people use pseudonyms but how did you get that one? They gave me a choice.
4: When I was sticker spotting I had a choice of Turbo Tammy because the sponsor of the sticker spotting was Turbo Gas or Dusty Roads. So I 100% went with Dusty because I thought, first of all, it was country and I didn't really like it at the time. I didn't want my friends to know I was working at a country station. So I went with Dusty and I ended up being Dusty for like six years. So I worked my way up in radio and then had a job offer to go to Vancouver.
0: You just mentioned persistence, which you have and you had when you started off in this business, which is fantastic, and passion. And would you say those two things have carried you through? Yes. (laughs) Just flat out, yes. And without those
4: two things, I don't think anything good can be accomplished. Like no true visions without the persistence and the passion. None of this is easy. It takes an incredible amount of work. And sometimes we can make it seem like it's effortless and easy. But it is that unwillingness to give up and the true belief in what we're doing. Like, I have an incredible amount of love for what I do, as hard as it is. My current job is the hardest I've had, but I love it so much, and I'm not going to give up. I just won't. So yes, passion, persistence.
0: How have you found the journey, like navigating through an industry that has been so male-dominated over the years? Once I was in the door, I got to actually expose
4: all of the other wealth of things that I had to offer, which is what I feel like I'm so proud of. And interestingly, the man who hired me to be Dusty Rhodes in the first place hired me again to do the morning show at JRFM when I got to Vancouver. And then again, when the Pattison Group had an opportunity to apply for a new radio station license in Vancouver, he hired me for that to lead the Canadian content development portion of it. And that, to me, speaks volumes for the fact that even though he hired me as a novelty to be the sunshine and lollipops of the radio station, I got to expose the fact that I was so much more than that. And then he respected that in me enough to hire me not once, not twice, but three times. That is gratifying.
0: And I mean, it shows that the success is going to come from that hard work, that talent, your own personal drive, your ability to do the jobs and now you're spearheading a music festival. Squamish is where I live now. And there was a music festival
4: brought in by a group called Brand Live and Live Nation back in 2010 called the Squamish Valley Music Festival. And it was an innovative festival. They had six years and then grew so big for Squamish, which was also growing so big, they really had to move on. And the mayor of the town came to me, the mayor of Squamish, and said, to Mary, you have to start a festival. And I said, no, I don't. And she's like, yeah, you do. And I'm like, okay, give me one year so I jumped into the festival world which is the craziest rodeo I've ever been to and I should point out that once I was a rodeo princess runner-up at the St. Albert rodeo so I know rodeos of course um but it has been unbelievable because we we were able to get our first festival off the ground for 2019 it was beautiful amazing then as we know COVID. We had a business plan. That kind of got thrown out the window with a five-year plan. And we're coming back in 2022. Now it's amazing to me that we are where we are at with a beautiful lineup and an incredible festival on the way. And yeah, it's exciting. We've got Sarah McLaughlin for Sunday Night. That's amazing. And uh, Black Pumas, who are an Austin-based psychedelic funk blues band that had two Grammy nominations this year and two the year before, and then July Talk who are unbelievable, based out of Toronto on Friday night as our headliners, and then 28 other bands. It's going to be so good.
0: One, two, two. Side fills on. One, two, two. That's an impressive lineup. I love the fact that it's women behind it as well, and that you have a female mayor.
4: Yeah, we do. Well, she's no longer mayor, which is why she's involved with the festival, but we still have a female mayor, because that's how it rolls here. And my team, that's the three of us, and then our entire team is made up of women pretty much, I think we're 96% female. And it's a big team and a strong team. Honestly, the best in the business. Yeah. I mean, we're so proud of it.
0: You're pretty much a small business enterprise and your small business enterprise has had great successes, including what you're doing now with this music festival. Thank you. Yeah. I like
4: to think that too. I mean, I've never really thought of it in that way so much, but I think of myself as a serial entrepreneur, even though I've worked for many companies
0: what about community and all this let's talk about the important piece that community plays to support small businesses support a music festival like this is well it's massive but it runs like any small business would run well we're nothing without it right so in
4: everything that i do everything has community at the absolute core of it it is making that connection with other humans to create something beautiful and better
0: we talk a little bit about just the importance of small businesses and that small business enterprise in any community but also in this country from your perspective? We have entrepreneurs like crazy starting
4: unbelievable companies for anything whether it's stem cell research carbon capturing the best craft brewers outstanding outdoor wear yoga wear. The list goes on and on and on. One of my favorites Squantland Botanicals which is a indigenous, local herbs and medicinals put together for cosmetic reasons, beautiful local company. I could go on and on forever about how much I absolutely believe that the entrepreneurship, small company energy is what makes a community. It certainly makes Squamish and it makes a country. It's so great to reconnect with you and I'll have to book a plane
0: ticket. Yes, it is going to be amazing. It's a really great festival. Inspire, persist, passion, compassion, community, all words that have been used throughout this series, Amplify Canada. So I need to take this conversation back to the CEO of Everything Podcast, Jennifer Smith. Jennifer, let's talk about this podcast, Amplify Canada, and go back to the root of what it's doing for this country, for small business. You're a huge part of that and something to be really proud of. I mean, there's incredible stories in this country and they're being told through this podcast.
1: Amplify Canada was born out of a partnership. We became partners with Patterson Media, with Jimmy Patterson, Canada's most successful entrepreneur. And in fact, in Wikipedia, when you Google him, he is the single most successful entrepreneur in Canada's history. He employs... 535,000 people worldwide. And he did this through small business. And so his media division, Pattison Media, the president, Rod Schween, that's my business partner, said, we want to be a part of the solution. I
0: have to say, Rod is a really creative guy. And Jen, what a wonderfully creative way to show support to small businesses with the Amplify Canada podcast series.
1: That is one of my favorite podcasts we have in our series because it is providing solutions for consumers, for small business, and for our economy. And it's just the fact that we get to come to work every day and be part of that solution, but laugh while we do it, learn while we do it, figure it out while we do it, is just, it's such a privilege.
0: And the stories here in this country of small business and how they've been resilient, they've shifted, they've changed, they've been strong, and they still provide that connection to the community that you're talking about. Thanks for your time.
1: It's my pleasure, Linda.
0: Thanks for having me. Through dedication and commitment, passion and love, drive and determination, women have continued to persevere and they are changing the business landscape. Whether it's the local cleaning company, the energy sector, music festival, or a podcast company, there are amazing women who rock. Thank you, Jennifer, Mary and Darcy, Tamara, and Jennifer for your stories. Thank you for showing us the important role women play in Canada's business scene. Now head out the door because there's amazing local businesses just waiting for you to explore. And thank you to all the people in our communities who nominated them for Amplify Canada. Each episode of Amplify Canada, we introduce a local musician whose song you've been listening to throughout the podcast. Music is big business in this country independent artists can be looked at as small businesses that feed the big business of music. And on this episode, we're connecting with 2020 Juno Award winner, Kaylee Cardinal. She's followed a musical path like many others, singing in church, performing in cover bands, writing original material. Now with two full length albums completed and a future release in the planning stages, she is ready to expand her well-awarded profile. From the small town of Beaver Lodge in northern Alberta, welcome Kaylee Cardinal. Thank you. That's really nice. Kaylee, let's start where music began for you.
7: I started singing when I was very, very young, actually. My first experience singing on stage, I was four years old. I sang at church. That was my first solo performance. My mother drew pictures because I couldn't read yet as like the cues so that I would know the lyrics for the song.
0: And that set the stage for your musical
7: career. I just loved the ability to communicate with people and make them feel things. And it was just something that felt so natural to me, especially coming from church, having a way to emotionally express myself and a way to connect with people. And so I continued to do it throughout my childhood. I kept singing. I started playing piano when I was 11. And when I was 19, I started playing in bars and cafes with a friend of mine. We started a duo. And then within six months of playing, we formed a band. My plan was I was going to play music. That was absolutely going to be it. And then when I had my son, I had to take a break for a few years. But by the time he was three, I was already performing again and doing it sort of on the side because I still had to work full time. And It wasn't until 2015 that I started playing music full-time again, and that was the way that I started earning my money, and I was writing my own music. And from there, it just kind of escalated into a growing business.
0: This episode is about women who rock as leaders, business owners, musicians. You talked about your mom supporting you early on. Do you feel if you didn't have such a strong mom in your life supporting you, it would have made a difference in the path you took?
7: The fact that she believed in me, I think it really made me feel like confident in the idea that this is something that I needed to do. And to choose a life, playing music, writing music, that's not an easy life. That's not something that's going to make you a lot of money, potentially ever. But her support and her telling me that she believed in me, I think, is probably why... I always felt that me playing music and singing and even winning a Juno, it always felt like it was inevitable. It always felt like it was something that I was going to do and I knew I was going to do
0: it. Kaylee, how did you find the balance when you had your son? I know you took some time off, but once you were ready to perform again, how did you manage that?
7: What it did was it made me kind of have to take the long road to where I am right now because I couldn't do tours, not when my son was young. Like I had support from family, but I couldn't go away for weeks at a time. So I had to do things in a really kind of slow way. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to really do it until he was in his teens and was a little bit more self-sufficient and didn't need me around as much. But I think that helped me kind of build a foundation for myself because I think I had a lot of things that I needed to work through too anyways to get to the point where I could be a healthy person on the road not be partying too much and that kind of stuff, you know, where I was approaching being in the music industry in the best way possible. So it's good thing that I waited till I was a little bit older, because I was a little bit of a wild 20 year old.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reaching this maturity level that you're happy and healthy mentally. Do you feel this was the crowning moment for you? In lots
7: of ways? Yes. But Growing up in northern Alberta as a native girl, and we were kind of in a community where there wasn't a lot of indigenous families, I definitely felt like I never belonged anywhere. So I spent a lot of my life with terrible self-esteem and terrible self-worth. But the one thing that I always was confident in was that I'm supposed to play music, and I'm good at it, and I'm going to get a Juno, and I'm going to get more Junos. And
0: you did win a Juno. What
7: was that like? When I won the Juno, it was validating for me, but I think it was also a big part validating for my family. It felt good to win it because I knew my son had made a lot of sacrifices in life, and I knew that my mother had made a lot of sacrifices in order for me to pursue this thing. In a way, it was like really about a family validation that this was the right thing. We did the right thing.
0: Tell me about There Is No Way. What was the mindset behind it and the journey in writing it?
7: I originally released that song in 2017 on my very first full-length album, Everything and Nothing at All. And I was like playing the guitar and singing the lyrics as they were coming to me. Because this is one of those songs that came to me as like a full song. And that's kind of how some songs happen to me. They just sort of land in front of me and they're just there. That was one of these songs. I was so in love with somebody who was so good. He was so kind, and he made me feel so good about myself in a way that I don't think I'd ever felt in a relationship before. So it really felt like the love that he gave me was healing, and it was changing me. It was changing how I felt about myself. I loved the connection that I had with this song and how like this self-love was so woven into the song. And I decided that I wanted to give it a new treatment. And I wanted to take this song that once was about this person and this feeling and change it into a song that's really all about the love that we need to give ourselves and how we can be healed through love, whatever kind of love that is. So really, yeah, it was like a song that was once for someone else and the love they gave me and turned into an
0: anthem of self-love. And you're working on a new album. What can we expect?
7: The first thing I thought of was... This next album is gonna be so different from everything that I've done before. It's really gonna be me thinking about how we have boundless possibilities. And that might even be the name of the album. I haven't decided yet, but I wrote a spoken word piece for it. And it's just very small. It's just like a little poem basically. So I will read just part of that right now and then try not to cry the whole time. Where the dark of the sky and the light of the stars meet, where the past and present collide, where love is an infinite energy, that's where you stay alive. You soared through space, time, and galaxies to remind me that life has boundless possibilities.
0: Beautiful, Kaylee. Thank you for sharing your story. And I know we'll see more great things to come. So, on that note, here's Kaylee Cardinal with There Ain't No Way.
6: I got some habits, got habits that I ain't quit, and I got some awful, dirty, nasty, evil tricks, like a pile of trash, got layers and layers of scars, got a lot of junk to get through to get to this jaded old heart, but are you like a warm breeze in the spring. You shake off the dust, you bring a green back to everything. And I fight with myself more than I will ever fight with you. Real dark places that I'll hide And I got poisons, oh so many poisons to ease my mind And I'll drift away even when you're holding me tight Got a lot of repair left to do to make everything alright
0: was There Ain't No Way by Kaylee Cardinal. You can find her at KayleeCardinal.com or YouTube and Spotify. You've been listening to Amplify Canada, an initiative created by Patterson Media designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our communities. For more information on this program, go to Pattisonmedia.com. This is a presentation of Patterson Media.